0: Hello and welcome back to Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and with me in the studio this week is Marissa Renee Lee, a called upon grief advocate, entrepreneur, and the bestselling author of "Grief Is Love: Living with Loss." Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily go uh, seeking out grief-related questions because that is almost <laughs> always at least in the background of a lot of the questions that I get asked. But I do I do think that a lot of our questions today are going to be very much in your sort of wheelhouse. So I hope that that is not a problem for you and that you feel prepared to talk about grief again. I've got you
1: covered. So
0: thank you. Fantastic. And if we ever need like a, a brief pause, we can stop and ask for, I don't know, 10 ideas about joy quickly, just as a sort of palate cleanser. But, uh, you know, grief is the business of life. So, (laughs) all right. So the subject of our first letter is sort of orphan. I'm a non-binary person in my mid thirties. And a few years back, my mother finally got divorced. My father actually divorced her, but still, uh, from my awful narcissistic father, I've cut contact with him and that's great. But my problem is my mother. My father was verbally and emotionally abusive to all of us, and my mom enabled him big time in order to keep the peace. My dad would regularly scream at me for infractions like leaving a cabinet door open. And every time my mom would later come into my room and press me to apologize to him so he wouldn't get mad at her. Their divorce and my subsequent therapy helped me to realize how toxic he was, and I feel so liberated. The problem is that my mom is lonely and wants us to be besties now, but I don't trust her. I've tried bringing up my childhood, but she either dismisses me and minimizes my feelings, says she has no memory of it, or dissolves into tears and leaves. She's a sweet woman who had a horrific childhood of her own, followed by a slightly less bad marriage that she idealized as a result. I love her, and I honestly think she's doing the best she can, but it's become clear to me over the past few years that her best is very limited. I've pushed her hard to go to therapy in the past, but she won't go consistently and just says that it's a waste of time and money. Because of this, I've resigned myself to a more limited relationship with her, but we just go through cycles where she pushes for more, I draw firm boundaries, then she pulls back for a few months before pushing again. I guess my question is, is there anything else I can do here? Hmm. This one, you know, obviously, like, difficult, sad, painful. I-, I-, I think it just makes a lot of sense to me that the letter writer, only after they... Ended their relationship with their father, that the difficulties they were having with their mother really kind of came to the forefront because now she's the only one on the field. And so previously, by comparison, it was like, she's great. She's acing the tests. She's clearing the bar every time. She's not him. She's getting an A and not being dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now that, you know, now that she's not being graded on a curve, um, (laughs) it's just sort of like, well, actually, this really sucks. This is really painful. I don't know, do I keep going through this cycle or do I just call it quits? And so I I realize we're not being asked to be the full final arbiters of whether or not this letter writer ever talks to their mother again. So I just want to relieve that burden from us in case you were worried, like, we've got to make the (laughs) call. Either you never talk to her again or you do forever. Um, But I, I guess just sort of as this letter writer considers what relating to their mother potentially at a distance or potentially at a great distance might look like, what would you hope that the letter writer bears in mind? What do you think would be the most useful as they consider their options?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I just, I I really hope that by having this conversation today, we are able to help this letter writer feel seen um, because I know that this is clearly a deeply complex situation that... I could feel as you were reading their words is tormenting them a bit. And I just, I just want to start by saying I'm sorry for that. And oftentimes people think that, you know, because I am someone who lost a parent that I don't have space for people to have complicated relationships with their parents when in fact I actually hold a lot of space for that because at the core, like there is grief there. And I'm also sorry for that. And so I would say, you know, first of all, you are, you are doing the right things. And I just want to offer you that word of encouragement. And then I would consider keeping a few things in mind. First of all, when people show you who they are, believe them. And I know that that can be really hard, particularly with a parent where, you know, we're often hoping for things that, we don't get in return and and that hurts and and it's it's very fraught but i think i think it's important to continue to do as you've done which is acknowledge and recognize the facts of the situation even if they aren't the facts as you would like them to be the other thing that i will say and i've shared this with a few friends who either have challenging relationships with parents or in some cases have even become estranged from parents People love us, but oftentimes, a lot of people, because of things that they've been through, things that have happened to them, etc., they are not able to love us in the ways that we need and deserve to be loved. And I felt that as well as, you know, I was listening to this letter. And I I think holding compassion for yourself first and foremost in this situation, is really important. And if if you know that your mother has this very particular pattern of behavior that is hurtful and harmful to you and your mental and emotional well-being, I think you have to continue to be firm and intentional about boundaries. And if you want to continue to have a relationship with her, you really got to hold those boundaries because I feel like anytime she comes up against them, you know, it's it's going to be more pain for you and going to make it hard for you to continue to be in some form of relationship with her.
0: I think that's really useful advice. You know, letter writer, it just makes sense to me both that you don't want to sort of lightly stop talking to your mother. Yeah. um and it also makes sense to me that as you've sort of stood back and looked at well what does the cycle look like it's a lot of repetition it's a lot of her breaking down in tears it's a lot of our inability to agree on a shared understanding of the past or of how we can relate to each other now that also sounds really difficult so i understand you're not considering this blithely and, and so i guess i would just say you can only i think just ask yourself what what do i really need from her like if it's if if i accept that we're not going to agree on my childhood or my father's abuse or her complicity or her shared role in that abuse. Can I imagine myself having any kind of a light, distant relationship with her where I know every couple months she's going to have a little bit of a meltdown and I'm going to have to sort of like brace her and also push her away at the same time? And if that just sounds like I would lose it, I would not be able to keep doing that, that sounds miserable, I think you kind of have your answer. And then the answer is just, mom, I love you. I'm really sorry that we've been locked in this pattern. I don't enjoy it any more than you do. But I cannot lie to you about my childhood. And I cannot like let you in closer to me if you want me to lie about my childhood. And so unless or until that can change, we can't talk. Um, I think that would be honest I think that would be a true thing to say. I don't think it would be unnecessarily cruel either. I don't think it would be asking too much, but it does seem pretty clear that that honesty that you want from her, she finds unbearable and she would do anything else rather than that. And that's hard, but um, it's also, I think, a real missed opportunity for her because you're not asking her to say, I was a garbage mother, I'm a bad person, everything is my fault. You're just asking her to acknowledge that like, she hurt you. And that is itself, I think, a loving thing. You wanted her to say that so that you can, you know, potentially forgive her and move past it together. I think that was a very generous impulse on your part. But if you're just like, "I cannot keep doing this, and she is not able to be honest. And again, you're not asking her to, like, list every moment of your childhood that went wrong and and go through like a series of of stages of penitence. I mean, if you were, I would maybe have different advice, but you're mostly just saying, Either let's not discuss it and you give me the space that I need. Or if we discuss it, I need you to be able to acknowledge the reality of it. And if she can't do either, I don't know of another third thing you can do. So I I think this is a reasonable place to just say either here's what we can do to have a relationship where we talk. Or I'm not going to be able to pick up when you call because I don't want to keep doing this. You collapse in tears. I try to talk about the truth with you and you say, that's awful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also want to add life is long and just because she's not able to acknowledge and respect your needs right now, that doesn't mean that she won't ever be able to, you know, you know, ne- you never know. Mm-hmm. And so, if if you're not ready to close the door completely, you can say, "I cannot continue with this cycle. I, I love you. I'm I'm here, but I'm not going to be able to be here for you until you're able to pull yourself out of this cycle." Because at the end of the day, she's got some work
0: to do, and only she can do it. Yeah. Now, if you do have like enough external support. If your own therapy is going well, you have other people in your life. And if you feel like, no, I don't love this, but like I could deal with every couple of months, her kind of pushing to be closer and my pushing her back. I could do that by all means. That's understandable and okay. It's okay to have a relationship with a parent that is like imperfect uh, and that rests a lot on, we're not going to talk about my childhood that much. Um, If that sounds okay or possible to you, all means do it. My sort of last thought here is one last sort of potential way of framing it or or request that you could make is, is just this, which is, I don't insist that we talk about the past. And when we do, or if I do, I don't insist that you see things from my perspective. What I need from you is this. I need you to not tell me you don't remember it, because I'm not telling you what I think you remember. I'm telling you what I remember. Mm. Uh, And I need you not to tell me that I'm wrong or how I ought to feel. So if you will hear me out as I describe how I felt and how I experienced something, and then I'm not asking you to agree. I'm not asking you to say that you remember it too. I'm not asking you to say this is proof that you're a bad parent. I would just like you to say, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm sorry that sounds hard. That's all. No more than that and no less than that. Just acknowledging that I shared something with you, if, does that sound possible? Because if it's possible, I would love to do that. I think, um, you know, again, my guess is her first reaction to that is not going to be amazing, but it would at least make it clear that you're not asking her to put on a hair shirt or accept the, like, like wear a sign that says, like, I ruined your childhood. You just <laughs> want her to hear you without rejecting what you're telling her. And I wonder if you could frame it in that way. If she said, I think I could potentially do that. And maybe in that setting, it might be more helpful to say, I'd like to have this conversation with a family therapist with us. I don't care if you never want to go to individual therapy, but I would like to be able to have these conversations in a way that's mediated just because historically you and I have not had a great success having these conversations by ourselves. Again, you don't have to, or if you bring it up and she just falls apart, You kind of got your answer, but that might be one thing worth trying because it just, I feel like if somebody said to me, all I'm asking is for you to hear me out and not immediately like reject what I've said, that might wake me up to think like, okay, that's not that bad or that's not the thing I was afraid of. Maybe I can do that. It might be a little Pollyanna-ish, but you don't have a lot to lose. I like that. I think that's sort of my last thought there. Uh, It sounds like, generally speaking, letter writer, you've got a good head on your shoulders. Uh, It seems like you've tried to have reasonable expectations of your mom. It's not like you're hounding her, asking her constantly to answer for the past. So I'm not worried that you've been too hard or or too judgmental. And just good luck. I I really hope that whatever her answer is, that you're able to find a lot of peace because that sort of like soft, Hour that comes in after, like, getting yelled at for leaving a door open can be really oh. damaging and painful. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: Well, I hope very much that we can help our next letter writer take care of themselves and, and like their relationships. I feel like there's elements of grief coming up in here, as well as elements of some avoidance, not necessarily unusual amounts of avoidance, certainly relatable amounts of avoidance. But I think the thing that I noticed the most, because this really feels like a post-mortem of a mostly over-friendship, is I, I would like to be able to offer the letter writer some suggestions, both for figuring out what to say to her friend, even if it means that the friendship is mostly over. I think we can maybe hope for a better friend breakup. Like I, I think sometimes we forget or think like a friendship that's ended is, is a friendship that's ended, but like they can end spectacularly or they can end at least with like some appreciation and respect for each other. And one is certainly better than the other. But I would love to be able to help this letter writer figure out ways to avoid repeating this pattern in future friendships, if that sounds reasonable to you. I don't know if that strikes you as the, yeah. the, the right yeah. exact way. No, that sounds perfect. So I tried to cut this one down. It is quite long, uh, which is not always bad. I think when you're looking at a friendship that you're just about done with, like reviewing the whole thing makes a lot of sense. But the subject is sour over sandwiches. My friend Maxine really let me down around my wedding almost a year ago, and I want to figure out what I want our friendship to look like moving forward. We've long had some core differences and occasional tension, but I'm seriously considering whether our friendship is sustainable. When Maxine is excited about something, she's all in. When her enthusiasm drops, she usually moves on. It makes me feel like I have to compete to maintain her attention. We both moved to the same small country after college, although we're about a half hour's journey by rail from each other. I'm always the one to reach out. Recently, I messaged her asking when she'll next be in my city. I know that she frequently commutes between the two for work and organizing commitments, and she responded blandly that I should let her know when I'm in her city. I've been resenting Maxine for how she behaved in the lead-up to my wedding last year. When I'd asked Maxine if she would be with me all day during the pre-wedding preparations, I didn't have bridesmaids. She responded enthusiastically and said she was just hoping I would ask. I felt relieved to hear this as requests like this feel difficult and vulnerable for me. She'd also been enthusiastic about planning my bachelorette party, but then skipped half of it and invited a close friend of hers whom I had never met. She and another friend from college, Rachel, who flew in from the States, were both told when to arrive and what I needed from them. Maxine was characteristically enthusiastic and began describing additional treats that she was going to bring unasked, but then they both arrived way later than we agreed on with no notice or apology and without any of the promised goodies. Then they mostly focused on helping the photographer and deemed themselves editorial directors. That wouldn't have bothered me as much except it came at the request of the few basics that I had explicitly requested. My sister-in-law had to step in to make sure those things got done. For the wedding, my husband's family flew in their longtime housekeeper, Louisa. She's truly a member of the family and was there as a guest, and decidedly not as the help. I only found this out after the wedding, but apparently Maxine had rudely ordered Louisa to make the sandwiches that she had promised me she would bring. While I know Louisa doesn't hold this against me, I feel nauseous at the notion of her being treated this way. It feels hard to consider us friends as usual without acknowledging and working through the ways that she let me down. Is this worth opening up with her? And if so, how should I go about it? What boundaries or red lines should I set? Is it not worth it? Should I just let go of our friendship ever being different? Am I overreacting?
1: Oh, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this one. And I feel a little bit bad about them. Mm-hmm. I just, I'll be honest, this person just like doesn't sound like a very good person. Friend to me. I'm just, I'm just gonna be totally. The letter writer or Maxine? Sorry, Maxine. The letter writer, I like my heart breaks her, especially the comment she made about how it's like hard for her to be vulnerable in this way and like asking people of things. And it brought me back to my own experiences, you know, like not having a mom around when I was planning my wedding and like wanting, you know, wishing above all else, that like she could have been there to help me and guide me. And then having to make asks of other people in my life in her absence, you know, and like how hard that was. For, I mean, even just talking about it right now, my palms are starting to sweat. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really, really, really feel for the letter writer. I would, my big suggestion is, is this, honestly, I want you to know that this is not, this is not something that you have to just accept in terms of friendship. Like it it sounds like this was a pretty close relationship and the things that you asked for around your wedding, while they're not all in this letter, like it sounds like it was probably a couple of reasonable requests, like even just in terms of, you know, when you wanted people to show up and like when you were expecting them to be there. And I think, I think you have every right to have these kinds of expectations, from a close, good friend. Like, I, I just, I want to validate what you've asked for. And then I also want to say, depending on what this relationship was like previously, because we we don't have a ton of context on the history of the relationship, but mm-hmm. if this is unexpected behavior, it doesn't sound like it, but if it is unexpected behavior, I would absolutely go to her and have a conversation and talk about it and talk through how she hurt you, why you were hurt and where you go from here. If this is more this is just how she is and for me this situation, particularly the piece about the sandwiches at the end was like the straw that broke the camel's back. It may not be worth you having a conversation here. So it's really like you like you need to be honest with yourself about where this relationship was before this. And who this person is, because frankly, if if this is if this is just who she is, you know, gets excited, makes commitments, doesn't follow through, doesn't actually show up. And clearly there is some values misalignment in terms of how she treated this woman, Louisa. It might you might be better served from just walking away and protecting your peace and your feelings. If you feel like, oh no, this, this is somebody who has been there for me, who has shown me in the past how much they love and care for and support me, and this, this is not the norm, then I would have a conversation. But otherwise, I would honestly probably walk away from this relationship because you
0: deserve better. Yeah, I think if anything, I look at this and I I see so many moments where I'm surprised the letter writer didn't say anything
1: that I, yeah.
0: I, I almost do want to encourage her to consider having a conversation, if only because I think it would be good practice. And so, you know, uh, letter writer, you certainly don't have to, I think, especially the stuff about Louisa. Um, I don't know who told you. Presumably it was somebody who saw it happen. I, I mean, I do, I suppose, want to like leave room for the possibility that there was a misunderstanding, but I don't want to leave much room for that possibility. I guess I would just be curious, like who told you that? When did they tell you it? What were their sort of reasons for saying it? If they mm. saw it happen, why didn't they intervene in the moment? I guess that would really be my question. Like if I were at a friend's wedding and I saw somebody like rudely order a, a guest to start making sandwiches because they had worked as a housekeeper as like a day job, I I, I don't know. I I like to think at the very least I would... Try to talk to the the couple and be like, "Hey, this is weird. Do you want me to stop this?" Like, I, I'm just really curious. Like, who saw it and objected to it, but apparently didn't stop it. I, I just I'm curious there. But assuming that that is exactly what happened, that's awful. So, letter writer, I, I can really appreciate you know the sort of separate question of like, okay, Maxine has a history of overpromising and underdelivering. She can be enthusiastic but intermittent. Um, That, you know, that's an understandable fault. I can understand why you wouldn't always want to bring that up with a friend. Um, Those objections make sense to me. I don't think anything here seems really unreasonable on your end. But what I do want to encourage you to sort of reconsider as you look back over the past is to think, were there earlier opportunities to have like a difficult but not impossible conversation? Not like, let me call you forth on the mat and read you the riot act and tell you why you're bad. Just like, did I miss an opportunity to have like a slightly difficult conversation with a friend before it got to the point where I started to feel like I don't even like you? So, you know, you see, that she was enthusiastic about planning my bachelorette party, but then she skipped it and invited someone else. That sounds difficult. That sounds a little confusing. I just noticed that she wasn't one of your bridesmaids. You didn't ask her to be a bridesmaid. Um, But after she did something kind of weird with your bachelorette party, your next move was not to say anything to her about it, but to ask her to show up early on your wedding day and do you a bunch of favors. And again, none of that's evil or weird. But, um, It feels a little bit like a missed opportunity and setting yourself up for further disappointment. And and I kind of wonder if part of what might have been going on was you felt a little hurt and disappointed. You were too embarrassed to bring it up, but you sort of were hoping like on an unconscious level, maybe if I ask her to do something else and she disappoints me again, I'll have a better reason and I'll be able to be angry. Maybe that's too far. Letter writer, if you hear that and you're listening and you think, I just really don't believe that's what I was doing. I I think this was just totally, I didn't realize, feel free to let it go. But like, I wonder if you were kind of at that point looking for a bigger sin on her part so you could just be mad and be done rather than have a difficult, slightly awkward conversation where you felt vulnerable. Because I think when we're so afraid of looking vulnerable with a friend, sometimes we will engineer situations where instead we can just be self-righteously angry again Maybe that's not true of you. This might be wild speculation, so I'll stop the speculation there. But I do think if somebody lets you down, it is a mistake to then ask them for another favor, and it is instead more appropriate to say, hey, what happened at my bachelorette party? You seemed so excited, but then you brought a stranger and you left early. Did I miss something? (laughs) I I think that's like a—can you imagine saying that to a friend, right? Is that like maximally confrontational? Is that like a crazy thing to say, do you think, or— I don't think it's crazy at all. I
1: do think it's crazy to just bring a random person to somebody else's bachelor or bachelorette party.
0: Yeah, there was a little more background detail. I don't, uh, I, <laughs> I tried to edit it down. It, I agree, it was wacky, but I, I just don't know why you wouldn't just name it. Like, I don't know yeah. why you would just say nothing. I think that was a mistake on the letter writer's part. Again, not on the same level, but like, I think you, It's a little bit of like your friend brought some difficult issues to bear in this situation, but then you also kind of hit yourself a few times. And I think if you hadn't hit yourself, you wouldn't have hurt quite so much. So just in the future, if you are asking somebody for favors and they really fall down on the job and they do something really strange and baffling, I encourage you to bring it up the next time you see them. And you can say it kindly. You can say it with affection. You don't have to say, listen up, you piece of shit. (laughs) I noticed that you left at 10 and I hate you, but you can just say, what happened? I'm confused and hurt. Um, and if the idea of saying that to a friend sounds impossible, then I encourage you to like figure out ways to make that seem possible. And so just, you know, again, like they showed up late. I, 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 I wonder if you had, would have felt better if you just said like, Hey guys, why are you late? Where's everything you promised? Is everything okay? Again, you don't have to like go into yelling mode or like, read them the riot act, but you could have said something, or if they were like running off helping the photographer, you could have said, Hey guys, I actually need you back on sandwiches. Um, And so I just, I, I want to encourage you to figure out, was it just a tough day? Could I ever imagine myself saying that to a friend in the future? Are there other situations where I want to practice like naming a limit or asking for something or reminding someone of a promise they have offered me so that I can get better at this in the future. Again, none of this is to say you brought this all in your own head, this is all your fault, or, or you're totally avoidant. Just like you could have said something in the moment that I think would have gone a long way towards making yourself feel better. And if I were to guess, you felt already kind of chagrined that they were running off and doing other stuff. And it felt like if I have to ask for it, it doesn't really count. And as somebody who is like president of the I won't ask for it because if I have to ask for it, it doesn't count club. That club sucks. Ask for stuff. I love that. The Again, Louise's stuff, absolutely shit. But like, again, if you've known about this for a year and you haven't brought this up and now you're asking, is it not worth bringing this up? I got to tell you, your problem to me does not seem to lie in the I bring stuff up too much camp. I think you don't bring up stuff enough. I think the goal you should set for yourself in the future, whether or not you stay friends with Maxine or not, is I want to bring... I don't know, 30% stuff up more often. Um, That is kind of a random number. But like, I don't want you to feel like you have to radically transform your personality or become a super confrontational person. But I think 30% is a good goal. So frankly, I think I would encourage you to say something. I would encourage you to not say everything you've shared here just because that is a lot for someone to take in. But I, I think to say something like, hey, I want to bring something up that's been troubling me. Somebody mentioned that at my wedding, you said this to Louisa um, when you had told me that you would bring the sandwiches. I just want to know, can you tell me what happened? Because it really surprised me um, and uh, I, I just don't quite understand. And, you know hear her out. And if her excuse sounds bogus or you don't like it, I think you can just say to her, I got to tell you, it really hurt me that you over-promised and underdelivered, And then you were rude to somebody else because of their job and treated them like a servant. That really troubles me. I don't like that you did that. Again, that's not saying go to hell. It's not saying you're a monster, but it's it's a reasonable amount of like firmness and clarity that you should be able to say to a friend and Again, based on how she handles it, maybe you'll have some sort of like diminished acquaintanceship, but still like generally like polite vibes going forward. Maybe you won't. But I I think for you, you've already not said stuff so much. I don't want you to not say something again. I want you to say something. I think at least once you got to be honest with Maxine because I think you've avoided that for understandable reasons. And I really hope I'm not coming across as like, this is all your fault. Uh, it's it's absolutely not. This is really painful and rude behavior. And I, I think Maxine has behaved quite badly. But I think it would feel good for you. And it would help set a good precedent for future friendships where somebody maybe isn't quite the same history of acting like a jerk, but still would benefit from hearing your perspective and changing as a result. I don't know. That's where I would probably draw the line is like, mention the sandwiches, mention Louisa, say something more broadly about this general dynamic and see how that lands. And if she just blows up, then you've saved yourself a little time by not listing all the other stuff.
1: How does that strike you? Do you think I'm being too hard on her? No, 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 not at all, not at all. So uh, speaking as someone who in the past was really good at swallowing stuff, I like the idea of using a conversation with Maxine as if nothing else practice for bringing things up with people when they do something that bothers you. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you're necessarily going to get what you want out of it, letter writer. You know, if what you're hoping for is is a deeper long-term relationship with this person, but at a minimum, it will help you have that like in your toolkit so that in the future, When someone does something that is upsetting, that makes you uncomfortable, that you think is inappropriate, you know, whatever it is, you will have a framework for how to raise it with them.
0: Yeah, I I think that's really good. Like, it's mostly practice for other friendships, and I don't necessarily think that Maxine's going to have an answer that sounds so good and then says, thank you so much for telling me the truth about myself. I am now going to, like, try harder and do different things, but will just make you feel better um, for having said it. These are good and appropriate things to have objected to. And um, even if part of you feels a little abashed that you've let it lie for a while, you know, you can just name that. You can say, I feel a little silly that I didn't say anything at the time, but you know, now's better than never. And you know, worst case scenario, if it goes really well, kind of based on your last message where you noticed I'm the only one who ever messages now, I asked her when she's going to be here next. And she really just sort of put me off by saying like, oh, who knows when I'll be in your city next? You tell me when you're in my city next. Like, It doesn't sound like at this point you have a real ongoing closeness to lose. So there's potentially quite a lot to be gained here. Even if it's not, we go back to being besties. But that might feel like I learned how to be more honest or we had a genuinely like open conversation about some things that have been bubbling below the surface for a long time, but that we both avoided saying because again like i don't think that everybody has Maxine's faults but i do think that if you're good friends with someone for a long time and you never have difficult conversations you never disagree you never say oh you hurt my feelings eventually any two people are going to probably be able to generate some substantial resentments and senses of being misunderstood that can get in the way of them loving each other and and i would not want this to happen again at least not on this kind of scale and of course weddings intensify everything so it's also you know, that's just a big and momentous and ritualistic occasion that can often put a lot of pressure on friendships that doesn't happen every day, but still, the dynamic is real. 100%. But yeah, it's tough. I can also just really relate to, like, God, it's my wedding day and my friend is kind of, like, neglecting me. I feel really embarrassed and, like, you know, I've been, like, left behind on the school ground or the playground at school. And if I ask her to come take care of me, I'll feel even less even loved. Worse. Yeah. So I I really don't want to be like, why didn't you just say something? You know, that confidence you feel when you're like sort of bridesmaids wander off and like you feel uh, like they didn't actually want to hang out with you. And that just makes you really confident.
1: I just I, I, I feel so much for this letter writer because you know, again, for me, like, my wedding and wedding planning, like, all of that was really vulnerable for me. And, like, I I would have a really hard time if one of my people hadn't shown up for me on that day. Yeah. And so, I just, I, I really hope that this conversation and our suggestions at least allow her to feel seen and heard and validated. Because... That
0: sucks. It really does. Yeah, and especially the stuff about Louise that is just yeah, that's just that's, that's lame. Like, and it's sandwiches. Like, yeah. it's sandwiches. I just like the idea of being that mean to someone because you forgot to make a few PB and Js is like just mm 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 mm. Hmm. Well, on that note, uh, I will have to you know find a way to deal with my own grief. Um, but thank you so so much for making the time to talk about these you know three very distinct problems uh, talk to your friends when you're mad move to Denver if you want to and uh, stop talking to your mom if your mom makes talking impossible those feel like good rules for all of us
1: I love it I love it right. um, see you are, all in Denver next year everybody <laughs> fantastic let's go
0: I'll, I'll figure out the tortilla place thank you so so much uh, and have a fabulous rest of your day Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com/mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice or conversations with our guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe you need some big advice, Head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. I think my vote is usually going to be not like anybody who ever thinks about moving should just do it right away, but like your fear is that you'll be lonely, but you know, it's possible that you'll be lonely as more of your friends move away from this town. It's possible you could be lonely if you move to another town where one of your other friends lives, but it's just one person and they've got other stuff going on as well. So loneliness is a possible outcome in any of the choices that you make, and that's why I think I would slightly lean towards if you move to Denver, you'll be making an active choice in the direction of something you like, which I think will put you in the path of other good things, even if that does take a while. Um, And so given that there is no position that will eradicate the possibility of loneliness, my vote would be for Denver. But, you know, if anyone listening lives in Denver and hates it and wants to advise (laughs) you against it, by all means, please do write in. Let us know what's wrong with Denver uh, and where else should our letter writer live instead. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash mood.